This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, hour three. It's a great day for talk radio, and it's always on a Wednesday a great day when we've got our roundtable discussion that uh, is fronted by three stellar uh, members of the community. <laughs> Ernie is a former premier and finance minister here in the province of Ontario. How's Ernie? I'm fine. How are you, Stellar John? Likewise fine. Thank you for asking. John Turley, you are a risk management consultant specializing in capital markets. He's got extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. Johnny? How are you? Very good, and you? Thanks. Buzz Hargrove, former national president of the Canadian Auto Workers, now a distinguished visiting prof at Ryerson University's Ted Rogers School of Management. How's Buzz? Buzz is great, John. Good to see you. All right, likewise. Gents, i got to ask you something that just uh, Danny Longo reported on here in the news. Uh, it has to do with uh, Hydro One and uh, the purchase of Avista Corp. You might remember in Washington State, these two coal-generating uh, power stations that Kathleen Wynne purchased uh, or was intent to buy for $6.7 million, billion, billion dollars. Well, the regulator in that state has denied this takeover, saying that there's been political interference in the Ontario utility by the Ford government because Ontario was slated to own, I guess, uh, 40, Hydro One is owned uh, 47% by the Ontario government and Hydro One would take this over. Uh, I remember at the time there were a lot of criticisms that Kathleen Wynne was still in the coal-fired generation business. And so maybe we've gotten rid of this pig or this albatross around our necks. I mean, Ernie Eves, what do you make of the matter? Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, you know, A, I don't think Hydro One should have bought it in the first place because of the fact that it's a, you know, coal-producing power. And the government of the day was preaching out of both sides of their mouth. On the one hand, they're saying they're in favor of a clean environment. They're doing all these things, power generation to have green environment. On the other hand, they're down in the States buying coal-powered plants. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and the regulator said that this is really an indication that the province uh, or the government of Doug Ford uh, makes decisions for political reasons by firing the CEO, Mayo Schmidt, and then the board resigns. Uh, They cleaned house. And uh, I can relate to that. Yeah, well, you did it too, uh, Eleanor <laughs> Clitheroe, and uh, I guess the rest of the board in the time. Exactly. All right, but so if the province uh, is messing with Ontario Hydro, uh, of which they're still the principal shareholder at forty-seven percent, because that's the biggest block, John. We've talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this deal then was scotched because of political interference. Uh, do you see a problem here? Well, I see I see a problem in the in this decision. They're a they're the major shareholder. Uh, perhaps the process that uh, the Ontario government used to to scotch the board, as you say, is one that violates the regulatory requirements in that jurisdiction. But as a majority shareholder, you have the right, if you're not happy with, with the board and management, to vote to replace the board and management. So I'll, I'll be interested to see the actual uh, regulatory concerns that this jurisdiction expressed. Uh, I think, obviously, Ernie's right about, uh, you know, this uh, buying coal-fired plants was was not a good idea when you're trying to reduce carbon uh, footprints. Uh, the other interesting thing is, remember, Ontario Hydro went public in part. It sold shares. There's shareholders who are, who are going to get hurt by this because there's an expectation when you have a public company that you're going to go out, you're going to grow the company, grow dividends, grow the market. Uh, you're going to make money. So, so, so this raises some really question, uh, real big questions about the, the viability of the business. If they're going to ha- run into this kind of regulatory issue as you try to expand and grow in the North American market. What do you make of it, Buzz? This is Hydro One. You know, they've got 47% of this thing. Coal-generated uh, electricity in Washington State. Should we have been in this game to begin with? 
No, no, I think Ernie's were done the money on this one. This is, uh, to me, it made no sense at the time that they uh, announced it. Here in Ontario, we're getting out of it, and yet we're buying into it in the United States. It uh, sounds like we're supporting Trump trying to bring back the coal industry. Sure. Uh, in the, uh, in Would that the be so bad? That would be awful uh, <laughs> uh, see that uh, happen. But, uh, you know, they are the 47% shareholder. I don't know how the Americans, with all of the interference we see with business over there today, that somehow they would select this one purchase and say somehow that violates some rule of capitalism that I haven't heard about. Yet. Well, I don't know. Uh, do you think it's maybe protectionism or they want to retain it in American hands? I mean, what would Well, the- I mean, the, the, there could be concerns, for example, uh, around a lot of Chinese companies. They usually, the Chinese government has a majority share uh, in the company and, and run it in a way that, uh, you know, people in the West can sometimes have great concerns about that are that are proper concerns. So I, this is why we need to look at what Washington's regulator really had to say here. It may well be that they simply don't want to have their own utility, uh, you know, being, you know, perhaps with the rates being jacked up and so forth and having that uh, come out of Ontario. And uh, this way they can maintain control over that because as you know, electricity rates are very political. And if they go up and you don't have any control over it, uh, it, it becomes a problem. All right. Well, the regulator did say that the promised benefits of the deal, including rate credits, are inadequate to compensate for risks that the customers would face. To your point, and also, I guess it wouldn't protect the shareholder's investment, even though the principal shareholder is Hydro One. Uh, we'll leave that for now. I just wanted to clarify that point because it moved on the wire while uh, we were all getting settled here. The other thing, of course, has to do uh, the big news story. The Auditor General's report came out earlier today. Bonnie Lissick was with us on the program. And of the 15 areas that she had studied and cited, it's like an 1,145-page report. And I've only gotten through half of it during commercial breaks. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, what she said is in addition to finding inefficiencies and, you know, because it's really an audit of uh, value for money, she also makes recommendations. And last hour, Tabins was saying, well, he has no doubt. In fact, he's confident that it's going to be as bad as the wind government under Ford, if not worse. But I'm saying, well, these recommendations, Ford says he's going to take them to heart. And uh, the Treasury Board President, Peter Bethlen-Falvey, says as much as well. There's going to be uh, rigorous fiscal management going forward. Ernie, you were there in the seat of power. Do governments act on the Auditor General's recommendations? Well, you certainly should. And you know, when I was finance minister, I always took what the Auditor General said to heart. And I, I found it, you know, we always sought to have an unqualified opinion uh, from the Auditor. I think when you start getting into a disagreement match, to put it politely, between what the government wants to do and what the Auditor General thinks is proper, I think you're, that's not why you're there. You're there to be transparent and accountable to the people of the province of Ontario. Look at, you have hundreds of thousands of employees, or thousands, tens of thousands at least, in the Ontario government, if you take it to the broader public sector, a lot more than that. And there's always going to be some screw-up somewhere. There's always going to be an inefficiency somewhere, and you strive as much as you can to to eliminate that, to make the system more efficient and, and serve people better. Well, in your day, just to pursue that, because one of the things she cited was Metrolinx, for example, uh, where there were two go stops on plan uh, that she says should not have been. One was in Lor- on Lawrence East in Scarborough, uh, part of John Tory's Smart Track vision, and the other was the Vaughn go stop uh, 
up to and coming down from Barrie that was ill-advised because the folks commuting wanted to have sort of an express train, but that happened to be in Stephen Del Duca's riding. Uh, what a coincidence. Well, all right. <laughs> but is this is this how decisions get made? She's basically indicting a, a political interference or political influence or a political decision rather than a physically responsible one. John? Uh, well, I, I would say much of this Auditor General's report has been pointing to the fact that the Liberal government was very tired and they were pursuing policies, including building, uh, you know, go train stations in areas where they felt uh, they could uh, gain votes. So you saw that with, uh, with the student loans, uh, which were clearly, uh, I think one of the, you know, this is something that has to be looked at very carefully. It, they did an awful lot of damage to the student loan uh, program. Now, I'll explain why. When you have the Auditor General pointing out that folks who don't need the money at all were getting free tuition, it creates suspicion around all these programs. And down the road, people who actually do need the money have a much harder time getting it. So, you know, I think the Liberal attacked uh, in, in, in their last administration. Clearly, they were uh, tired, out of options and looking at uh, policy in a very desperate kind of way and throwing uh, out these uh, these decisions about, tr- you know, railway stations and uh, tuition as a means to try and desperately get as many votes as they could. Well, here, uh, Buzz, you can answer this one. Ontario Works this is a program set up to, you know, help people get into the labor force and whatever. And they say there was uh, inadequate review by file caseworkers, which led to increased errors uh as a result, overpayments of $730 million were made, 76% of the payments going to people who were no longer Ontario Works recipients. I mean, is this a program that needs an overhaul? Oh, I would say it, it certainly <laughs> needs a, an overhaul. One of the major problems that the Auditor General always points out uh, uh, when they bring out the report, whether they say it in so many words or not, is we don't have the checks and balances. You can't have that kind of money. Uh, floating around and no way for someone uh, with responsibility and someone who can uh, accept responsibility uh, can look at these things and say, hey, this thing is not working, let's do it differently. Well, who is the case manager then? Shouldn't it just be the responsibility of whoever is in charge in the file from the minister on down? Am I wrong about that, Ernie? No, you're right. Absolutely. But that's not working. Every government agency, speak, you know, and department reports to somebody, some ministry somewhere. There's a minister, there's a deputy minister, there's assistant deputy ministers, there are directors. There's lots of levels of bureaucracy to go through. So if people are doing their jobs properly, that shouldn't happen. Well, you know, I mean, just as an aside, but this is an important point, uh, with the Technical Standards and Safety Authority, this is the agency that inspects things like uh, propane storage elevators. 80% of the elevators in the province are not up to code. Should we oh, be nice. concerned? I am. Are you? <laughs> you're you're going to do a lot of stair I'm not climbing. Use an elevator. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, look. Uh, the other thing is, Metrolinx is a big ticket item, where she says a lot of sunk costs because uh, they didn't get their, they haven't got their act together, and they're vacillating on you know transit in Scarborough. I mean, you're from that uh, neck of the woods, John. I mean, what's the deal there? They've gone back and forth, and municipally, I guess, the plan has changed three different times, and it's we're still not out of the woods. you got a guy like Josh Matlow there who says he's going to continue to argue the case at City Hall. Well, I, I, you know, I think the, the issue comes down to Metrolinx and their project planning. I think that uh, anyone who has uh, been around the Metrolinx projects understand that 
Uh, they have some real challenges getting shovels in the ground on time, uh, getting their tenders out on time, figuring out when they're going to do you know X, Y, and Z on time. So th- there's some serious issues with 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 management there. Uh, I understand they have a, a new CEO that came in about a year or so ago. Perhaps that person will fix it. Who knows? Uh, I think the really important thing for the for the Ontario government though is to look at all these issues and find areas where they can start saving money because they need to save money. And uh, just pointing out about the the folks who are receiving you know assistance. Uh, if you don't put in enough caseworkers, if it, it, what it does is it creates the opportunity to have a paid clientele for the governing party. And I think very much the liberals were of the philosophy that don't don't actually make it hard to get assistance. Don't don't create a program where you want people to get back into the workforce. And the you know this was we're seeing the results of it now, where more and more money went into the system, uh, but fewer and fewer people actually got back into the workforce. And frankly, that's that's a disaster. It's a social disaster, not just a financial disaster. All right. And so there's a new sheriff in town. You're confident Doug Ford's going to address all this and clean uh, clean up Dodge City, aren't you, Buzz? Yes. He's he's going to uh, eliminate a lot of these people and give the rest a big pay increase. Uh, and they're going to do a lot more and looking after all this stuff. I have every confidence that he's going to end up costing us a lot more money. Oh, dear. Uh, Buzz, I don't know what they're teaching you there at Ryerson University's uh, Ted Rogers School of Mismanagement. But, uh, <laughs> let's come back. Uh, we wanted to talk about city council, and uh, they're in the catbird seat when it comes to giving themselves a raise, apparently. They've already increased staff budgeting. We'll see how the boys feel about that. John Turley, Ewart, Buzz Hargrove, Ernie Eves, back on The Oakley Show in a moment. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.